welcome to Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. The only professional wrestling podcast in the world where pro wrestling is discussed passionately, with confidence, with great knowledge, and most of all, in the most sophisticated way. So brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because chaos is about to be unleashed. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast and Paint Trade Pipe Bomb Productions. I am the Bearman, and it's my honor and privilege to welcome you, the owner, founder, and CEO of Paint Trade Pipe Bomb Productions and the creator of Pipe Bomb Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Ricky Litwinkowicz. What's up, brother? What's going on, my friend? Well, honestly, it's so good to have you here because I'm sure everybody already knows by now you helped make this show happen. You know, you are a part of it. It is part of the Paint Trade Pipe Bomb Army, and quite frankly, it is a blessing. So thank you, Ricky. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. You're welcome. All right. And again, thank you for coming on. Um, so, Ricky, actually, you came up to me and you actually expressed a desire to talk about Pat McAfee's uh, departure from WWE to the ESPN booth, but we're also going to be talking about Malachi Black's AEW's departure, as well as apparently something going on with the Young Bucks, and honestly, I I just can't wait to discuss these talking points with you. So what do you want to start with, Ricky? Let's start with the Pat McAfee thing, by the way. All right, all right. So... It was announced, I believe, on Wednesday or Thursday this week that Pat McAfee was not going to be carrying on with SmackDown for the time being, that he would be joining College Game Day, which is a very tedious schedule for anybody to be covering College Game Day. There is a lot of travel involved, and it's not the fact of also the actual venture going to Game Day I believe it's just the Pat McAfee way. Like that is the Pat McAfee brand. Um, he obviously does his show on YouTube five days a week. I believe that goes from twelve to three Eastern Standard Time because I believe he does it from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And then it would be that he would leave Pat McAfee on Friday afternoon, travel to wherever SmackDown is on his private jet. By the way. And then he would go home. The Pat McAfee thing is obviously an adventure that he wanted to try. Uh, After seeing today's results on college game day, he kind of livened it up a little bit more. He brought a different perspective to it, a different energy to it. And I think that is just Pat McAfee in itself. Mm Mm-hmm. So you really think ESPN allowed him to be the true Pat McAfee that we all know in the sports broadcasting industry? In a fashion, yes. Mm -hmm. And in this day and age, you want to be able to get attraction to your brand. Pat McAfee is an attraction by himself. For those that don't get the chance to watch the Pat McAfee show, it's actually pretty entertaining. Oh, it is big time. And he does bring a lot of different perspectives to sports stories in general. And he does give off a really great vibe. No doubt about that. He did it with SmackDown, 
But for those that don't kind of really get the whole Pat McAfee WWE association, he made two appearances on NXT, which I thought for him being a lifelong WWE slash WWF fan brought a little bit of energy to the show. No doubt. But a lot of people don't recognize the whole NXT excursion. That was with the Undisputed Era. That was with Adam Cole. There was very big storylines with that. And then he kind of faded away. Pat McAfee goes in a different direction. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, the last two years, you have Pat McAfee on the main roster, on SmackDown, having storylines with Austin Theory, having storylines with Baron Corbin, bringing up the level of energy on SmackDown for something that they technically call the B show was very huge at that point. So now seeing the fact, especially after watching a Pat McAfee-less SmackDown and replacing him with Corey Graves, it now has a different energy. It now has a different vibe. Michael Cole trying to be excited with a subtle, decently lower energy version of Corey Graves was kind of depressing. So SmackDown really did lose a very a major key figure, not only to the show itself, but on the broadcasting team and probably the vibe overall. Also think, if you ever go to see Shinsuke Nakamura back on TV again, which obviously it hasn't been for a few weeks, uh, he had the, the match against Gunther, and they kind of wrote him off for a little while. But now imagine a Nakamura entrance and not having that vibe of Pat McAfee standing on the announce table, dancing around, playing the air guitar. It's going to be a totally different vibe. And if Pat McAfee decides after game day to come back, then I think SmackDown will get that vibe back. But without him being on the show and his his little antics, his, his little color commentaries every once in a while, SmackDown's going to take a little while to recover. And I think I did mention a source that it was not a permanent leave, but a temporary leave. So that tells me, I think once college football season ends, he returns to WWE. You hope and pray that he comes back to WWE. Mm-hmm. Because it's, again, the college football season, even going in with the playoffs and finals and championships and stuff like that, that is a long road to go. Uh, it, it's yes, he, he stays in a sport that he was a professional in, in football. And obviously he'll have his great color commentary and have a great outlook on the sport, but also at the same right, it's a little bit of a different animal. It, it is a hundred percent. And, you know, honestly, see one of my friends who, uh, who's already, uh, who's one of my biggest loyal listeners, he does tune into pipe bomb radio every now and then. It's just, unfortunately his schedule is just such a problem, but that's out of his hands. But he does go back and listen, just so you know. But, you know, he told me that he feels that should have, he because he talked to me, he shouldn't have this have happened, you know, weeks before or like months before that he was going to leave. And I said, I mean, probably, and then he asked me, do you believe that Vince McMahon would not let him do it? And I said, 
that's that's certainly possible, but I don't know because I'm not sure if there's any reports about him wanting to go to ESPN, you know, a few months ago when the whole thing with Vinnie Mac was going on and then Vince McMahon announces his retirement. I mean, it, it's very well true, but then again, we don't know. I mean, Triple H is now in charge, and we all know Triple H is not is not running things like Mr. McMahon or Vince McMahon, I, I'd I, rather say. I don't think there's a uh, a VKM factor in this. I think it is in his contract that if he feels that he does need to experience other adventures again, Pat McAfee is a very colorful, exciting, energetic person. He may act like a divot head sometimes, but I'm pretty sure that within his deal that he felt that there was a adventure to be had that WWE would be able to let him do what he has to do. It's not the fact that they don't have anybody to replace him. There are very many viable announcers or very many people that they could probably throw behind the table, the commentary table, to hopefully compensate for him not being there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were weeks when they had the uh, Baron Corbin uh, storyline where he got hurt and couldn't be at the announce desk. Oh, yeah. So it's not oh, yeah. like they didn't have, they don't have viable replacements. I think it's just going to be to right now let McAfee go to ESPN, let him build up the ESPN game day, and then when he comes back, let him jump back into a role the same way like it was when he did disappear for a little while, where you didn't have him in NXT every week or for months, or the times where you're just trying to feed McAfee into it and just try to get him prepared for doing something like that. I think it's just, again, they have to find the right combination on SmackDown. That is they're going to be their biggest concern. So basically, it's a process, and basically, you and I as fans, we pretty much have to trust the process. Processes do take some time. You know, it's it's a chemistry thing. They, now, like, Michael Cole is, again, he's not like that low, subdued Michael Cole anymore. Mm-hmm. And they tried to show that on SmackDown this past Friday night. And again, I like as much as Corey Graves and Michael Cole have worked together before, it's just not it's not the same level of energy from both announcers at the desk. And they have to find somebody or find a way to level the playing field between Cole and whoever it is that he's going to be working with. Absolutely. And and as far as Michael Cole goes, I'll be honest. Uh, I mean, I've, I've watched him obviously, you know, since I was a kid. You know, before he was on the commentary booth, he was the backstage announcer. And then in 99, 98, 99, when Jim Ross, I think, had a death in the family, he filled in for a while. Yeah, back then he was, I mean, again, overall, I never had a problem with him. Uh, everybody brings up the storyline of him turning heel. Did I like it? No, because honestly, I felt like Michael Cole being a heel just to me did not fit. But I just kind of felt like it was just something that you kind of knew it wouldn't work. That's just my opinion. Everybody else has other opinions on it. And honestly, overall, I mean, Michael Cole's been an employee. He's been an employee for the company for so long. I mean, we don't know how much time he has left with the company. But because he's been there for so long, I mean, some would say he's pretty much a made man with the company. I, I think the other the other point of... Michael Cole in itself is that there are certain times in production. Okay. Now, obviously you get your ears spoken into quite a few times while you're during a show, you get fed lines and everything else. 
Michael Cole has never really been unleashed. And I think that was the great thing that happened when they put McAfee there. Yeah. Like he was, he, he's the company guy. He's the one that, you know, sets the tone at the desk. And I think the difference of adding in a Pat McAfee, again, colorful, energetic, out there, no frills. I think that kind of opened up Michael Cole. And yeah. then now you add Triple H in as the guy running the show instead of a more stern Vince McMahon that says, hey, we don't want this energy. We don't want this attitude. We got to kind of like tone you down and not like let that beast out of the cage, Michael Cole. And that's what you've gotten since you had McAfee there. Yeah. So this, 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 this whole now event of Michael Cole being opening does give the show a little bit more energy. I did see that last night on SmackDown. He had energy last night, but he had nothing really to feed off of. And McAfee was that feeding point. He was very well so said. This Michael Cole is going to be different than the attitude Michael Cole, the one that had to sit there and deal with the anonymous GM every week because that was <laughs> that was also something that Michael Cole always got ragged on for was that point. Every time the noise went off, <laughs> I now have a message from the anonymous general manager, and then I had to stand there at a podium and look like a moron. <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget the one with Chris Jericho. You remember that one? Yes. Shut up. Just read it. <laughs> or the one with Edge where he's like, I'm not listening to a computer. And then Michael <laughs> Cole lost it when the uh, laptop got damaged. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> he was reading the messages off his emails on his phone next. <laughs> but yeah. again, you know what? The only, the only thing I will say about this, though, at least for now, Michael Cole still is going to have a home on SmackDown. No doubt. And he's, he's, not, he's not as horrible as a lot of people make him out to be on commentary. He's been doing it for so long. And you could probably say he was the he, – he's now the flag bearer. There's no Jerry Lawler anymore. Obviously, there's no JR anymore. Uh, Corey Graves is doing two shows a week again. But – Again, I think the only difference now with SmackDown going forward is to see how Michael Cole can still keep the energy and keep SmackDown's announced team more relevant than it is on Raw. Absolutely well said, Ricky. Absolutely well said. And final thing from my friend, he wants me to give my thoughts on the whole thing at WrestleMania involving Mr. McMahon. I mean, Mr. McMahon coming out and beating Pat McAfee, honestly... I did not like it, but at least I felt blessed somehow because at least they were nice enough to give me a little a little part of my wrestling childhood back, seeing Stone Cold Steve Austin give it, flip Mr. McMahon off and then give him a stunner. Although Mr. McMahon, that stunner, well, I think you know. <laughs> you got to remember, he's a 70-something-year-old yeah. guy. He's not going to be able to flop the way he used to be. Yeah. So overall, I mean, I'm I'm blessed. I'm grateful they at least gave me a, a huge part of my childhood back. And again, seeing Stone Cold, you know, flip him off and stun him, but that's pretty much it. So I think you know we basically kind of wrapped up as far as Pat McAfee goes. And the next thing I want to we should talk about Ricky is Malachi Black's departure from AEW because you know 
a couple of you know new things that have emerged since his release. Uh, it was actually said that at first he requested his release, but it was denied. And then about a week later, that's when it came. So uh, I, I'd imagine, I think Tony Khan probably said to him, look, you know, you'll do the match at the pay-per-view and then we'll let you go. I mean, but as far as I know, part of the reasons why he requested his release was because uh, for, you know, mental health and uh, problems, you know, based on his personal life. And, but honestly, it even mentions that he was so badly affected with the booking and the handling of his character that it really affected him mentally. Well, if you look at age AEW as a whole, it went from being this, this little company that could with a whole bunch of people that nobody on the planet had ever heard of. You're not wrong. Then all of a sudden, now you start bringing in the WWE guys. You start bringing in the Ring of Honor guys. You start bringing in the New Japan guys. You start bringing in all the 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 the, the ladies from Stardom and everywhere else on the planet. Okay, and you throw right off the bat, you throw him into a storyline. With Cody Rhodes. And you kind of get a good feeling that Malachi is getting that push that he didn't get in the other company. The problem with that is, is the feud was really, really short. Then now, all of a sudden, you want to start him with a stable. Okay, that's good. It's not like they didn't bring in... Uh, people that A, he hasn't worked with in the past like Brody King, they were a tag team on the indies that was great then you bring in Murphy that's great the problem that they have with Malachi Black is is they set up storylines and never carried on the storylines Yeah, or the storylines were so short for example, they started the thing with the Varsity Blondes, and now Julia Hart gets sprayed. Uh, they they waited too long for that to develop to bring her into House of Black. And the feuds and the storylines just either didn't connect, they didn't carry on, or they ended short. When we think of a storyline, for me... I think of a storyline that takes a few months. It has to come to a big build. Mm-hmm. And this last one that they had with the Redeemer, <clears throat> Miro, you didn't have the Miro Malachi Black match. You didn't have the Malachi Black versus Darby. You didn't have. Sting, who's still a performer at this point, but he very rarely was part of that storyline. And then you go now to All Out. It's a six-man tag, which they lost. Yeah, and Black was pinned too. And but but here's the here's the bigger key to it, and I noticed it from the pay per view, and I've watched the pay per view six times already since last weekend. Because I felt like I missed something during the match. They didn't show the farewell. They cut to a promo. 
And the farewell was done on stage. The crowd got to see it. But the people at home didn't get to see it. And then it was just like a lot of, oh, oh now we've, we've granted Malachi his release. Uh, we wish him well. But they've granted the release, but only on certain terms. Mm-hmm. And I've got actually a little bit of details on the terms. And I got to, when this came out three days ago on the Wrestling News, they mentioned that AEW had not officially announced the release, but did they? I believe they did say something at the media scrum afterwards about it. Okay. But then it kind of got overshadowed by our next topic with the elite and Mm -hmm. CM Punk and the MJF thing. And to me personally, this is a gift. This is a gift for him. And before uh, we move on, uh, I should mention that, he was granted a, according to this, a conditional re- release, but it would suggest that it could include a non-compete clause. So, because fans are now asking or now teasing a WWE return, although it's interesting because he could, he was still, he was um, supposed to appear at a at an indie show at a Northeast Wrestling show, but he will no longer be appearing. The promotion announced that he was pulled again because of uh, of health issues. And the promotion booked Jay Lethal and Enzo as replacements. So, so basically, so I, I think it's just I think the 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 clauses are probably different from AEW than they are with WWE. You can probably take bookings at indie shows, but you can't sign with a major promotion, at least not for for a certain amount of time. I mean, I, I'm not sure, but all we know is that he's apparently he's no longer with AEW, and it's unclear, you know, what is what the future holds. But I know that when the time is right. He'll release a statement, and we'll and we'll know. And once that happens, I'll be I'll be here to talk about it. I I honestly think the thing with Malachi Black, um, is is more of okay. I I think to me, it's a rebuilding process. It's a regeneration process because the character that he tried to bring to AEW didn't develop the way. He truly wanted it. Now, the reason why I say this is, is again, if you're supposed to be a big player on no matter what show you're on, whether you're on a Rampage or a Dynamite, a Raw or a SmackDown, a Ring of Honor show, which is, again, they're usually more more frequent than what Ring of Honor is currently right now. Like, Ring of Honor is like a once a month deal or they wrestle on dynamite or rampage yeah if you're a main player and i'll throw names out there moxley jericho uh a drew mcintyre reigns sheamus guys that you're gonna see predominantly and i i put predominantly in caps you're gonna see them every week Mm -hmm. and i think that is one of the major problems with AEW right now is that it they is. have too much talent. Oh, that's an understatement right there, brother. Because they signed all of these people. And the <clears> talent, <throat> like Amalekai Black, should be seen every week. And oh, in yeah. his head, for the money and the contract that he signed, after his 90-day compete clause was up with WWE... You know, better known as Alistair Black. Mm-hmm. 
he expected to be a main big time player on TV every week. Mm-hmm. And AEW can't manage that. They can't. I mean, it's. I, mean, I don't even know how they're managing such a an overloaded roster. And you know, one more thing. According to SB Nation, they mentioned that he's been dealing with an injury that he thought could be career threatening. So, well, he's he's not exactly <clears throat> your prototypical guy. No, not I mean, at all. He does have all of his Muay Thai training. He does have all of his martial arts training. Uh, he's been in dojos for God knows how long, uh, especially over in the uh, UK. And again, wrestling or sports entertainment, no matter how you want to put it, does take a toll on your body. We're, we're not going to say that guys don't get bumps and bruises, accidentally hurt, uh, things like that. But he is a full bore guy. He puts everything into his craft. And... He was he was bumped and bruised in WWE. He was bumped and bruised in NXT. He comes from a extremely big indie background. Uh, ICW is one of the names over in, in the UK and Europe. Mm-hmm. And those guys are a hundred percent balls to the wall. Every time inside the inside the ropes, around the ring, they 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 are full bore. They are the originals. They're the mm-hmm. hardcore guys. Uh, that came up through the system. So I think it's a mix of between if there is an injury to him, you write him off for a little while. But I think more of the mental situation is, hey, I signed to be a big-time player here, and I'm not getting the big-time player light that I would really truly expect. So in general, I think him... Walking away from AEW, regenerating the battery, recreating a character that's going to be more fitting and it may be a little bit more mainstream down the line. Also, remember that his wife is a member of the WWE roster. She is, yes. So maybe it's also the fact being because they're not also in the same company relationship-wise that maybe that also may be taking a toll on his mental sanity because she travels more than he does. AEW only does really two shows a week, and they're both on the same day in the same city. So maybe that's another reason why he's taking the time off. But I would like to see him fade away for a little while and regenerate and rebuild and no matter which company he comes back to, whether it's AEW or AEW says, hey, we're going to cut ties with you, go do what you want, and he goes back to WWE, maybe he'll be in a better spot. Hopefully. Very well said, Ricky. Absolutely very well said. And, uh, and you know, me, you know, being me and myself, you know, struggling with mental health and being a mental health advocate, my strong advice on, um, on Malachi Black, take your time, dude. Take your time. All right? And... And you're absolutely right, but but now we get to really something really really interesting, and this is what I'm truly looking forward to hear from you, because Ricky, you know wrestling very well. Not only what we see on television, but you know what's going on backstage. I don't know how, but I mean, obviously, you would say much like me, you do the research, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yes. So here we go, and you know, honestly, this actually took me by surprise because how ironic it is 
that this news com comes out shortly after they were suspended along with, along with uh, Kenny Omega. But apparently, the Young Bucks have reportedly sent feelers out about an interest in WWE after their AEW deals expire, which would be in 2024. First off, the, the whole incident that happened last Sunday really overshadowed the fact that there was even a pay-per-view, which is horrible. Because I'm not going to say that that pay-per-view wasn't bad. It had its tiny bad points, but overall, it was an 8 out of 10 pay-per-view, mm -hmm. okay? I absolutely did enjoy the Young Bucks Omega versus Adam Page. The Dark Order. And the Dark Order. And I'm not going to lie, it was a good match. Then now you look at the Punk match with reports now saying he tore his tricep. No, boy. Five minutes into the match. And wrestled the rest of the match with the torn tricep. Then you have the post-show scrum in the back. The <clears> melee, <throat> if you want to call it that way. Or the brawl or whatever. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's got its terms, but the but you know, point is it was it, it was physical and it, it appeared to be legit. Some people actually teased that this was a potential buildup for a storyline. No, no, this was for real. Supposedly now, the reports that I heard today, it was all staged. Real okay. I mean that this was this was a plan to go, okay? And again, if it was a plan or not, I'm not sure. But it does overshadow the fact that all the news that is coming out from the pay-per-view is only about the elite. And CM Punk. Mm -hmm. And see the other guy, Ace Steel. And now Christopher Daniels is in it. And now MJF is a part of it. There's way too many names there. You're giving... If, if it was a staged prop thing, you're giving so many people the viable elements of AEW a vacation. Mm -hmm. Now, I haven't openly said this, and I am saying this openly now here on the 10th of September, 2022. Punk is 0-2. Punk is 0-2. He wins the title, gets hurt, gives up the title. Twice in six months. Punk is made to be this huge deal. Wins the title. Gets hurt. Disappears. Now, the suspension is supposed to be covering the time that Punk is hurt. These are the rumor mills coming out. Uh, numerous sources have said it. Uh, shout out to the guys at Cultaholic and uh, all the other dudes on YouTube for giving a little bit of the insight on it. So, technically, that suspension for Punk is only for him to recover from the triceps injury, which Edge went through last year uh, with the Randy Orton deal. He tore his tricep, came back months later. It's going to be the same thing with Punk. Now, hmm. we get to the Bucks thing. And regardless of what the 
whole process is the investigation process of what really happened at AEW post all out. The Bucks can't go anywhere till 2024. Obviously, you stated that. Mm-hmm. Them reaching out to WWE and then WWE responding to the to the Bucks is technically tampering. It is. And they would have to wait until 2024 to actually say, okay, we're jumping ship to WWE. They had an offer from WWE even before the whole AEW press conference came out initially. They were offered a lucrative deal. They decided to not take it. As you're now seeing, there's a lot of anarchy going on in the back. There are a lot of people that don't like each other. They don't like the way that the company's being run. They don't like the, co- the, the part that they're not getting TV time. All of this weird stuff is going on. There's a, there is a big anarchy eruption in the locker room right now. And there's no control, obviously. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that the Bucks are not happy with the way that this is going. They, they, this is not what they planned three years later in a run of a company that has taken wrestling by storm. The entertainment industry has taken them by storm, but maybe that's not working out the way that they wanted to. I would say not. I mean, did, did they really know that Tony Khan had intentions of literally signing all the ex WWE guys, the ring of honor guys, some of the MLW guys? I mean, I'm like, pretty like, sure like, there's, there's a lot that, that Tony Khan had in mind that they had no idea about. I mean, who knows? I mean, I mean, Listen, I, yeah. not for anything. I think Cody Rhodes had the right idea. If he sees the the the, the ship is sinking, get out while you can. Yeah. And unfortunately, though, we didn't get what we really wanted from Cody Rhodes because he tore his pec mm-hmm. and he damaged the tricep, and now he's gone for God knows how long. But let's be honest, that may be like the protocol prototypical thing that happens mm-hmm. because once wwe gets you and they run you in a storyline unlike aew you'll be seen on tv every week and there are times where you don't see the bucks on tv every week there are times you don't see guys again i'll bring them up again like malachi black not on tv every week if you don't have a main storyline you don't see the 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time time slot. You don't see the 8 p.m. time slot. Who the hell wants to be pre-recorded and aired on YouTube on Monday and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time? You're absolutely right. And speaking of Cultaholic, this, this is actually something interesting. I'm glad I actually saved this, but they actually mentioned that there was actually options in Nick and Matt Jackson's contracts that were actually picked up near the end of last year. You know I, you know what I find interesting about that, Ricky? What? I actually had no idea that contracts in professional wrestling could have options, but now that I think about it, I think I kind of understand why, because if, if the company sees that things are working out, then I guess they'll pick up the option. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Cultaholic mentions that it was an option, but Cage Side Seeds says that they signed a two-year extensions to, again, remain until 2024. Yeah, but who, who is able to predict the future? In Nobody. professional wrestling. Nobody. 
because a company, mind you, this is, yes, Tony Khan is the top guy of the company. Okay, he is the owner, he runs the deal, whatever. But if you go back to the beginning, it was five, it was, it was six major guys that got this company going. One of them is gone. Cody Rhodes is in WWE. Omega, Nick and Matt, Chris Jericho. All the ones, the mainstays, the first guys on the roster to build this company. And look what's happening. Nick and Matt are gone. Kenny gone right now. Those are three of your EVPs. Cody's in WWE. He was an EVP. Gone. Jericho is the only one right now, along with guys like Moxley and Daniel Bryan, who are going to have to set the tone and control what it is that's going on. And if Nick and Matt were reaching out to WWE, and again, that's not for another year and a half that they can't really financially communicate with WWE. There's got to be some reasoning behind it, but it's not saying, oh, we're going to jump ship in 2024. You now have to ride out however long the suspension is going to be, and you really can't see what's going on. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. And I mentioned, like, a corner of this, they reached out the talent to send the feelers, but but still, I mean, I mean... Listen, the temperature in WWE, again, has gotten a little bit hotter since Vince retired. If you really want to look at the prototypical output of what's going on, look at the, all the guys that Triple H has brought back since Vince left. Nobody in their right mind would have thought the news breaking last weekend, Braun Strowman's coming back to Raw. Oh, Made boy. an appearance on SmackDown. Yeah. Never would have thought of that. That he brought back Hit Row. I liked Hit Row. There was no reason why Hit Row should have been let go to begin with. And you brought back Johnny Gargano. You brought back Karrion Cross. Uh-huh. And not in that medieval sexual outfit that he was wearing either. You brought him back as the original Karrion Cross. No shaved head. All attitude, badass, balls to the wall, gas, no brakes. That's carrying cross. You finally brought Ciampa to the main roster. Okay, he's not the Ciampa that we really want to see, but you brought that back. Kevin Owens is back to the real deal fight Owens fight role. Except he's a baby face, not a heel. But again, you brought back that line yeah. triple h has opened it up mm-hmm. and if he's opened it up i hadn't seen a power bomb in months on wwe strowman's dropped three of them already this week what does that say if that's the case that you're opening it up why would you not bring a young Bucks team in. 
You've already brought Cody back. Why would you not give them a shot? But then again, if they're reaching out to talent, I can guarantee you the talent is turning around and saying, yeah, we don't want to come to AEW. But this is what's going on in WWE. It's almost like they're putting like little little feelers out to see what the temperature is now that VKM is gone and now Triple H is running the show. So I, mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past that. It's not just Vince is gone. I mean John Laurinaitis is gone too. But again, the whole narrative behind the curtain has changed. Big time. The attitude is back. Okay, mm-hmm. they didn't go to their PG-17 yet. But the narrative has changed. The door is open. There's no, oh, we're going to water shit down now. Because now if you brought back power bombs as a move, a, a move that was illegal for a long time in WWE, not in any other promotion, only them, imagine what the creative could be if you bring in a team like a Young Bucks. Imagine you bring in a Kenny Omega, where everybody would love to see Kenny Omega versus Seth Rollins. I would. But I gotta ask you, if we see that, who's the baby face? I say Omega's still the baby face. Okay, all right. Because I don't think uh, a Rollins... I, I, listen, Rollins is great as a heel right now, and I think the majority of his career, uh, excluding the Shield years, because that was a, a face-heel faction to begin with Rollins is great as a heel and I would love to see that new Japan pro wrestling pop from Kenny Omega that would be again a clash but then again I would also like to see matches with the Bucks like there are quite a few teams in WWE right now that the Bucks would match up very well with the Usos for one the Street Profits Mm mm-hmm would be a pretty good match, I would say. Uh, that's a very big high-flying group between the two of them. Maybe the New Day, Kofi and uh, Xavier Woods? Uh, if, if they would stop burying New Day and had them the way it was when they had Big E, would be great. But right now, they're watered down and out of it. Uh, the Viking Raiders, I think that would be a great match because there's there's that mystique of the, the Viking Raiders now that they are back to their ring of honor attitude and presentation. I think that would be, a, I mean, the, the list could be very long for the young bucks. If the, if the divisions were set up properly or the times were set up properly, you can get a lot of great matches out of the bucks. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Hmm. Well, I think we basically kind of covered the point. Is there anything else you want to say, Ricky? It was an honor to be on Ringside Chaos. I, oh. I, I do like this feeling. I do like the fact that uh, the wrestling community does get the chance to get a different insight from yourself, myself, any of the other guest hosts that are on here. And the great thing is, is that there is so much news to take bites off of. Uh, the, the, the dirt sheets have been on the points a lot as of late and uh it's good to know that the 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 community is still going strong uh there's so many different ideas so many different organizations and that's what we're going to bring to you on ringside chaos it's not just it's just not the mainstream aew wwe guys 
Ring of Honor's out there. New Japan Pro Wrestling's out there. Major League Wrestling, Impact. Stardom. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the... Triple uh, A. Triple A. ICW. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, there is a laundry list of different wrestling companies out there. And uh, Ringside the, Chaos is going to be proud to bring you all yeah, that. And the, the NWA as well. As a matter of fact, I want to let everybody know that I plan on bringing an, an indie wrestler that actually worked a main event match at Pele Pro Wrestling with a former NWA champion. Just want to let everybody know I've got a lot of indie talent that are itching to come on this show when one of them is the owner and founder of Pele Pro Wrestling. So y'all, y'all be excited for the future. I'm going to do things and I'm going to do things correctly. Let him but, finish it. Finish it out, Alex. Well, actually, I am finished. But Ricky, I'd like to like to I'd like to give you the chance to actually tell people uh, about the Paint Trade Pipe Bomb Pipe Bomb Radio because I'd like to get the ta- I'd like to get the listeners on for this to also uh, tune in to Pipe Bomb Radio. Yeah, we have a laundry list of shows. Uh, Pipe Bomb Radio NYC is at four p.m. on Mixler Eastern t- Eastern Standard Time. By the way. Uh, that would be Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We also have Arch Rivals Football, which is on Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook and YouTube. Where that also has Bearing Down the Gridiron on Wednesday evenings. And another edition of Arch Rivals on Saturdays at 4 p.m. There's a long list. I could be here for about an hour, but <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Well, I just want the folks to be excited not only for this, but for the exciting projects that you gave me the ble- the chance to be part of. And Ricky, again, thank you so much. God bless you. And just to let everybody know, I am on Pipe Bomb Radios on Tuesdays. I'm on Arch Rivals. I'm on Bearing with Down the Great Iron. Like you will see a whole lot of me on Pipe Bomb Radio, folks. Let me tell you. All right. Uh, so Ricky, before I just uh, let them know where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, that would be at ptproduction.com. Com, I think. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Pain Train Prez, and uh, you just will know me as the Master of Mayhem on every live show that we do. Absolutely, and you can find me, the Bearman, on Twitter at Bearman of Texas. Just TX, no need to spell it out. On Instagram, just find me at the Bear of Texas, as well as on YouTube, where this show will be. This show is also available on Spotify, and soon it'll be available on over. 10 streaming platform folks well ricky thank you so very much i cannot wait to have you back on again soon brother it'll be an honor thank you very much all right everybody and y'all have a good night